Hello, and welcome to another episode of BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. On this podcast, I talk to people about the behind the scenes of what they do. That's what BTS stands for. And I am thrilled to share this episode with you. I had a chance to speak to Andre LaRoe. He is a Brooklyn-based portrait photographer who has spent the last several years of his life shooting editorial and lifestyle content for clients and for personal work. We recorded this episode back in the bright and shiny fall of 2019. So if we sound happier than we should be during a pandemic, that's why. It's because there was no pandemic. Life was uh, better than mediocre, that's for sure. Anyhow, I am really excited to share this episode. I know I always say that, and it's because I always mean it. Andre, his work is beautiful, and he shares a wealth of information. I highly recommend you find him across social platforms. His name is spelled A-U-N-D-R-E, and his last name is spelled L-A-R-R-O-W. I definitely recommend finding him on YouTube and watching his video called How to Shoot and Edit Darker Skin Tones. It's a great how-to video and will absolutely improve the quality of your work. He describes his work as pursuing the truth that can be found in portraiture. We discuss his experience in Adobe's creative residency program, how he gets work, pricing client jobs, and so much more. He's currently an Adobe Lightroom ambassador and has done a lot of work with a variety of publications and brands, and I highly recommend that you find him. Links to all of his social profiles are in the description of this episode. Please do feel free to share this conversation with anyone in your life who is a photographer or pursuing photography. He does a really great job of sort of breaking down the different ways that he has learned and grown as a photographer, and I just have a lot of respect for him and his work. If you'd like to support this podcast, which I wish that you would, be terrific, please do subscribe, rate, and review. I haven't gotten a new review in a while on Apple Podcasts and it makes me so sad. So please do take the time to write one and just talk about how glorious this podcast is and how much it's changed your life. It really does help with discovery. Right now is a time where podcasts have been growing, which is great, except for that people who've been doing them for a while, such as myself, who don't have big deals with networks or brands are kind of uh, getting left behind, for lack of a better word. So your support would be greatly appreciated. You can also become a monthly contributor at anchor.fm slash BTS podcast. And please do find the podcast across social platforms. There are links in the description of this episode. If you just look up BTS the podcast or hashtag BTS podcast, you will find it. And that would be great and very helpful. If you're traveling in the near or distant future, or you hope to travel in the near or distant future when it's safe, please do sign up for Hotel Tonight using my promo code. You can use LCOOK61 and someday when it's safe to travel again and you want to book a hotel room, you will save on your first Hotel Tonight booking. I've had a great experience with Hotel Tonight over the years and highly recommend using it. I've used it for probably five plus years and stayed in a variety of countries, cities, and I'm a big fan. They also have a great loyalty program and I am a sucker for rewards. Also, if you would like a massage wherever you're at, in the U.S. specifically, uh, you should sign up for Soothe. I love it. You can use code LZLRZ to save on your first massage booking with Soothe, essentially as a massage therapist. Comes to you with a table, linens, all of that. They bring their own Bluetooth speaker and play music, and they bring their own lotions or oils or whatever. It's great. There's a lot of options of different types of massages. You can choose if you would like a man or woman to massage you. And I'm just a big fan. It's helped me decompress a lot over the years. 
People who listen to this podcast a lot know that I've had trouble with adrenal fatigue and massages and bubble baths are things that have helped me a ton. Thank you again for listening. Again, please do find Andre across social platforms. Find the podcast across social platforms. You could find me too. That's fine. But um, I would venture to say the podcast and Andre should probably share more useful information than what I share. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks again for listening. Hey, you are listening to hashtag BTS podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. And today I have on Andre LaRoe. Hi, Andre. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. We're hanging out in my house, which is pretty rad. We are indeed. Uh, We had a last minute um, relocation when, uh, because I'm watching a friend's cats right now, and I'd forgotten to ask if you were allergic to cats, and we did a quick just navigation to just another part of Brooklyn. Very easy. Oh, no, I'm quite allergic. Um, When I was in high school, I, like, my girlfriend's family was gone for the summer, and I had to go, like, do, like, mobile on and stuff for them. It was cool they paid me, but I remember once I got trapped in the room with their cat and it brushed up against me, and that whole drive home, like, my eyes were closing no. and my throat was closing, and I had to pull over and stop. And, like, wow. dr- like no, it was, no, it was scary. And I was I'm just, very glad that your eyes and, and vocal cords and all will be now useful, uh, because otherwise this wouldn't be not fun for I you I can guys. do the podcast in cat voice. You're like, oh, so I really like to talk about it. <laughs> If you, if that would, We're just in the car, like on our way to an ER. Like, just keep going; it'll be fine. Consequently, that's my part of my Christian Bale Batman impression. So, oh well, works for either. <laughs> um, so, you're a photographer. I am a photographer, and uh, we found each other on Twitter. I think thanks to Javel. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say his name? I think it's Javel. Javel. I think we're close though. Alaska Javel. Yeah, I don't know yeah. You guys yeah. know each other. How do you guys know each other? Uh, through the internet. Okay. Yeah, internet life. And so I think that's how we know each other. Anyways, the point is, I asked you to be on this podcast. You're a really great photographer, and you, um, yeah, you do a lot of different things. And one of the things that you've got in your life right now is an Adobe residency. Um, so for that, like, do you apply to a lot of different things? Like, how did that come about? Okay, so um, the Adobe residency is awesome. Um, I did it. 2017 to 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, every year, Adobe has um, a certain number of residents, and the way the program works, you apply with a certain idea, um, and if you get it, they pair you with an internal um, mentor at Adobe and some external mentors um, that can like help give you kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Internal on product, and then external on like general stuff to get yourself like further along in your career. Um, and so it ends up kind of being like kind of a more a version of like pretty hands-on grad school and um it can be kind of fascinating so for me um a little bit my background before this i moved to new york in 2014 i like did the crappy job thing where i like shot apartments or sorry photographed apartments i didn't shoot them with a gun Uh, Thank you for clarifying. I was very concerned for a second. I'm kidding. I would have never... Landlords pay me to go ruin their apartments. Yeah. Insurance money. That's probably better money than photographing apartments, to be honest with you. Honestly, man, I'd never want to do it again. It was so nightmare and weird. So anyway, um, did that. um, And then, thankfully, when I got here... Maybe this was definitely happening before, but the internet and social media was really helpful because it meant people had to pay money to have me take photos of their stuff 
Yeah. Um, and in doing that, I could like eke by a lot of months in the very beginning um, by taking photos of backpacks and like underwear and socks and shoes and like cityscapes. Just like stuff I was going to take anyway because I was still in that like really excited period in my New York life. Not that I'm not now, but there was like that very early period when someone said, you want to hang out? And you're like, I will literally go anywhere, do anything, speak to anyone. And you're like, yo, okay. Um, and so <laughs> I did that for a good while and I learned a lot from it. Um, you know, just shout out to State Bags and Agwald and all these brands that like really trusted me early. And in the process, I reached out to this um, startup called Walker & Company that had a brand called Bevel. It's a shape system for men of color. Oh, yeah. And I shot... I did like some Instagram stuff for them. Then they were like, hey, we need someone to go take photos at some barbershops. I did that for them. Very cool. Then like did some photos for their like publication Bevel Code. Um, and then they were like, hey, we need someone that can like do these micro stories about barbershops um, that perform well in like where we're selling a lot. Mm -hmm. So then for a couple summers ago, I went to, it's probably four summers ago, went to Philly, DC, Atlanta, Charlotte. Um, and did these micro stories about barbershops. And they were like, you're cool, we're going to hire you. And I was like, whoa, oh my God, like a real job. Mm -hmm. And I worked there from like 2015 to 2017. And then they um, we, they closed the New York office. And they were mm -hmm. like, you'll move to San Francisco. And I, you know, I really thought about it for a while, but I decided to stay here. And so I did a little like distance work with them. And then around February, wrapped that up. And I was shooting Fashion Week because... Um, Tumblr is really awesome, sorry. Um, Tumblr has a program for young creators where they give you access to stuff you wouldn't normally have. And so oh, really? That's, I was... I didn't know that they... How old am I? Because I shot Comic-Con for them recently, mm. which was really cool. Oh, nice. But that was through like a little bit of a different avenue, so I didn't mm. know they had that program. Yeah, no, they're great. Big yeah, Tumblr fans. Yeah, I'm a big fan. That's where I have my website. So, if I remember right... You should... I'll introduce you to some folks later. If I remember right... Um, all right, so it's 2017 in the beginning of the year. I'm 28 now, so that means that was two years ago. That means I was 25. So I was 25. I like was freshly out of a job. I was shooting that and like kind of doing a couple of different things. I had, like opted out of going to some people's weddings because I was like, you know, I don't know how much money I'm gonna have, so I'm gonna like kind of take this easy. And I was interviewing for some social jobs and some strategy stuff. And the thing that was nice about like leaving after being at Walker for a while, I like actually had actual work that it's like I think something that creative struggle with is like having quantifiable work with like yeah. stuff that like grew and like followers and people yeah. buying stuff in funnels like where there's a story stuff. to tell there it's not yeah, just like oh yeah, I yeah. shot this thing it's like oh there's this photo of like Mitch Mick Jagger like this one time you're like oh my god I should hire you right so then um I honestly should figure it out I was at fashion week um fashion week is stressful and I get an email from Heidi Voltmer at Adobe and she's like hey it's like who is this person? Um, and so I did that like creepy thing where I was like, I guess I'm going to look, look you up on LinkedIn and expose yeah. myself. And I saw she was um, like a higher up in Creative Cloud and she was just like, hey, um, well, she didn't say hey, but we have this program called the Adobe Creative Residency. We're trying to like help young creators like pivot um, into like new stages of their career. Um, is that something that would interest you? I'd love to give you some more information. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was such a strange email, because not because her email was weird, but like occasionally, and you know, this you get an email from someone you don't know that works somewhere that you recognize, and you're like, especially because I mean, I was no longer doing it, but I was at that point when I was 21, still where I was 100 percent not paying for Creative Cloud, right? So I was using totally. like CS6 like 
pirated that my friend gave me or whatever. And then when I started working at Walker, we obviously paid for it. So I just had it synced over. Um, and I think I just purchased for myself for the first time earlier that year. And I was like, oh, man, they're on to me. And <laughs> so she reached out. And then we talked on Skype about it, which uh-huh. is Skype, you know. Um, and I was like, okay, this seems like she was like, was that something you're interested in? And I was like, okay, so you guys like pay me a salary and I pitch you a project. And then I also have like a project budget. Like, what, why is this bad? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, um, why would I not want to do this? And so I pitched this project called Echo Chamber, which later became Stories from Here. But basically it was, I was, you know, after doing the barbershop thing and then um, when I was in college, I did this project called My Neighbors, which was about the people in my neighborhood because um, I lived on the slightly poor side of town of Gainesville. Um, and people would always kind of make fun of it. I was really, like, interested in doing, like, a longer form, like, portrait, more journalism style thing that um, was reflective of, you know, what I did in college, which was, like, a ton of journalism work in the student paper and turning it to Chicago Reader and the Gatesville Sun. And so I was, like, really, like, interested in this idea. This was just post-Trump, like, um, the idea of, like, early... You mean post-Trump election. Post-Trump election. I'm yeah. So, oh, oh, we're still not there. The Sorry to The power of me get it. Man, I hope that... Never mind. Yeah. Wait till this comes. Wait till November. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> ah. um, yeah. So, um, I was really fascinated with the idea when we're watching the election results come in, when you're, they were like, oh, it's early, but we can call Georgia. And you're like, it's like six o'clock. Like, what yeah. do you mean you can call Georgia? Like, how yeah. is it so early? And the idea that like, it's fine. We can play footsies. Um, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, I was always really curious about like, why do people live where they do? So the idea was, like, originally that, really cool. that we, like, move places that reflect what we believe about ourselves, which isn't necessarily true. So that actually, I was trying to have everything, like, paired up in this, like, kind of big political think piece. And I thought Echo Chamber was kind of a dark name. And then I had done, uh, I went to Texas first, so I landed in Austin. And then I did Austin, went from Austin to San Antonio on the train, and then San Antonio to... Um, El Paso. Oh, yeah. And so, because I, I really kind of decided that I wanted to, like, really throw myself into it early. Yeah. So, I picked a state first. Like, I'd never been to San Antonio or Austin before. I've been to El Paso before, which uh-huh. is kind of weird if you think about it. It is very, city. yeah. Um, I'd only, I'd only Backwards. been to da- Dallas and El Paso I'd been to before this point. And so, um, I wanted to throw myself in, and I was picking cities that I thought had really interesting, like, contrasting views about themselves. So right. in El Paso, you know, a couple weeks before I was there, Mike Pence was there and he was like, this is the beachhead for illegal immigration. And El Paso is like, we're statistically the safest city in America, so I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, El Paso is the safest city in America? It is. Or I mean, I don't know if it still is, but it was. Well, no, I only bring that up because maybe that's not where my dad had been living, but my dad had been living in, I think, El Paso. Well, I know at some point he lived in El Paso and another point he lived... Um, maybe in San Antonio, but he was saying that at the time that like El Paso had like more shootings per week, but a lot of it was just like a bunch of hicks being drunk at bars shooting at each other. And so he was like, so you would just, it would just happen like coworkers because he was working like in oil fields or something. And so he'd move there because he realized he could make a decent, like he graduated college um, or not college. He graduated high school and he'd Mm -hmm. gone to like a continuation school. My dad, 
it's fascinating because I always just see my dad as like a responsible person and then because he's my dad and then I got older and then like things that he said kind of like I was like oh this explains so much of like why you're surprised that your life is okay because basically all of his friends that he grew up with are either dead or in jail so he's like yeah I'm the only one of everyone I grew up with that's not in either of those places let me say this though your dad is very brave do you have any idea how hot El Paso is like I Horrible. grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is essentially like a tropical half half beach, half swamp. Right. I'm from Jamaica, I've lived in Gainesville, Florida, which is essentially a swamp with none of the none of the good parts about being in Fort Lauderdale. No sea breeze. El Paso, Texas, in June, the hottest I've ever been. In it's literally not even. It's not even like a question. Like yeah. I remember we were doing this one. Uh, one day I went and met with a city congressman. Um, Peter is the best, and he worked on this project. <laughs> Um, that helped bring a rail car. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I think it's a rail car. I'm just, there's an exact word. Maybe I'm missing it. That um, a vessel of some sort. A trolley. Oh, it was okay. A trolley that would kind of it was like tr- public transit. And so he was bringing back these trolleys that used to go between El Paso and um, Juarez every single day. Oh, so cool. people would come in and work and leave. And he was like, the border was like it wasn't this huge crazy thing it was. Yeah. Before, so we went and looked at all the old ones and touched them and like oh, took cool. photos it was really cool walking on that hot asphalt just to get the like 500 were your feet. shoes melting no i just thought i was gonna die oh because well where i grew up it was also super hot like when i was a kid mm. where my mom lives um would be sometimes between 110 and 120 in the summer Not and there were times where like we would be on the on like the the no. like the basketball court where mm. it's like asphalt and it would be it. so hot that, like, the, the soles of your shoes, if they were rubber or some kind of cheap material, I don't know. But, like, the, they would melt and, like, the, the, what is it called? Like, the bottom. Whatever the bottom soul. is. The sole. If it was, like, a waffle, it would get mushed. Like, it was wild. So, yeah, it's a horrible feeling because you feel it. Yeah. It's, like, you feel like a lizard. And like, Dog, I hate it. Yeah. Fair. So, you were doing these and... That is very... So in this, when you shifted the project, were you nervous about talking to Adobe about shifting the project name? Or, like, what was that no, conversation so like? The pro- like, they are... Because you have a mentor, right? Like, yeah. through this, you have a mentor to, like, so bounce mentor, these things off. I mean, I love my mentors to death. I was greedy, so I got two of each. Um, shout out to Mac Primo um, and J.M. Harper on my external side. So they're both talented videographers. And one of my goals was just to shoot video that year. Okay. And it was funny. I actually had a video project and never did it, but now I'm doing it, doing okay. video things. So they, I got it eventually. And then, um, internally I had Michelle way and, um, Matthew Richmond and Michelle was just, she was pro Michelle was great because she gave me a lot of good feedback about like, no, 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 you need to like better market this this copy doesn't make sense like oh, you have a lot of good work here but like we, we got we had to figure out where it's going to go and who's going to read it like the storytelling mm-hmm. needed to be more like the, laser the focused and then matthew was getting in with me about how the site was designed like what the font was like kind of like mm. more photo gritty stuff and the video guys i would just go and we would talk about video and i would just kind of like um, I'm not going to use pick their brain. I really hate that word. I would just kind of listen, ask questions, and absorb. Get all my like first yeah things out of the way, like what shutter speed to use and stuff. Which like it took me a little bit, but now we're like a little bit of the way there. So yeah, um, uh, not even get a lot of pushback. Besides them, there's like a program coordinator, and usually have a call with them once a week. So my year, we switched halfway through between Libby and Julia. And when we made the change with Libby, I kind of explained to her after I went. To, so I went to Texas, and then I was in LA. Um, and after Texas, I think 
it's so bad that I can't remember where I went next. That doesn't shock me because I we did a lot of places, but um, like I know where I went for the year, but I don't remember where I went like yeah next like chronologically. Um, so yeah, while you're doing this, are you also picking up other work, or were you heads uh, down on Adobe work, like Adobe Creative Residency work the whole time? A little bit. So, um, they don't love you doing other work if you can't demonstrate that you can like focus on what you pitch. Totally, which is uh, fair, because they're also paying you. The good news <laughs> for me was that some of the stuff I did was like travel-based, so mm. I got to add in Chicago to LA because I had a like ongoing client that had wanted to hire me for something, so I would just say, like, hey guys, I'll just work this weekend for this thing with Amex mm-hmm. for three days, and then Monday, I'll already be there, and so... I can save some of my travel costs and, like, kind of work in yeah. other ways. Um, yeah, I went to L.A. after and then Chicago. Okay, yeah. very and cool. And so, um, basically, I think after Austin, I learned some good lessons, but I was, there's this really awesome artist, um, Joe Kenna, mm-hmm. and Joe wrote this book about his mom's, like, it, about his mom's death, and it was called Days After Your Departure. Mm-hmm. And I could never, I don't know, that name just stuck with me. And I was like, mm. I was like, something isn't right. This name is too heavy. So when I was like, I call it here and there, like here, but then there being T-H-E-I-R. So oh, like but here, here being like, like here with your ears? Here, or like, no, 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 no. Here, like, like place here. I'm here with them and their stories. But then I was mm. like, that's confusing. And then I just kind of circled and I think I mentioned to Libby a couple things and she's like, yeah, stores from here is the best one of these things. Use that. And so we just changed it and like pushed the site up all at once. And what's the site so people can find uh, it? Storiesfromhere.com. Storiesfromhere.com. Yes. Um, and it's a little old now, but I love it. And it, the beautiful. thing that was good about it was that, yeah. And so basically, I mean, I, I like dragging on about this. The residency was really good for me because it's, you know, before I was at Walker, I was really reactionary. I think someone would say, like, I need something, or they, like, maybe give me... S- I wouldn't, like, know how to ask for a brief. I will just kind of be like, what do you need? All right, I'll just, like, go stab at it. Oh, you don't like it? I guess I'll go do it again. Right. And then when I was at Walker, you know, my creative director, Mari, my friend, Quentin, um, who was a designer there, as well as Fatima, um, even Mir, everyone... We, we were, Things were constantly changing, but in the New York office specifically... Um, there was a, we did a really good job of, or they did a really good job of setting a tone of like, set your expectations and you work through them, mm. which sounds really silly, but, um, coming from a news background, it wasn't something that I thought a ton about. I was just kind of like, all right, right. yeah, I'll just shoot it. Like whatever. It was figure out like, ah, uh. right. And so it was kind of cool. We just went, um, and I, it was cool to like work on stuff. And so not having someone over me. I was just writing a ton of things. So the first week of the residency, I actually, I like to save interviews a lot. And I ran through and reread all my favorite interviews, like Dwayne Wade's Sportsman of the Year, um, this complex interview with Kendrick Lamar after Good Kid Mad City, um, this, there's a couple other ones. And I was just reading through all the questions and I would keep asking myself, like, what are they actually asking? Yeah. And then I would try to write questions that answered that. And the point of the project was to be to like try to attack this sense of place and understand why people choose to live where they live. And so, um, what was I going to say? Um, it ended up being really interesting. And so stories from here came out of the, like a couple things. I interviewed this woman, Pisha in LA and right after inter- like her interview, we kind of talked about like 
male gaze and expectation. She like at 18 decided to get a boob job and then she's like 34 to mm-hmm. 32. Sorry if I went over Pisha. Um, and she was just like, I don't know why I did this to myself before, but I just can't do it now. So she like got them taken out and it was like a big thing for her, obviously to like make changes to her body and yeah. be aware of that. And then, um, there's a lot of ones that I left each one with like this moment where I was like, Oh, okay. Like I spoke to this guy who was a principal at a like mixed ed school. Um, and he was talking about like how he's just tired of like expectations being different for like different students based on their race. And like, mm. he said something about how he's a pit bull owner and being a pit bull, like owning a pit bull is kind of like pit bulls and black people are seen the same in America. Although we were like, mm, that's kind of muscular and pretty dangerous. I have no reason to fear you, but I'm going to act aggressively. And then when you act, when you respond aggressively, I'm going to be shocked, totally. which is super interesting. And like, as someone who's not a huge dog person, I was like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but there was just a lot of these where, um, it became these like really awesome micro stories where people would reveal things. And um, I feel like I'd learn parts myself. And then my, my job was to try to translate that. Um, and the latitude of it was good because now I've done a lot of projects afterward that have been kind of similar, like microsite built, somewhat interview based, creative photography, like in video audio driven. Um, and so I think it's really, I think the residency is really good at giving you more like opportunities to try stuff which isn't like a luxury that you have normally right um and with guidance you know like having having that guidance someone who cares from somebody who cares and like from the perspective of like adobe employees at least Mm -hmm. like a vested interest in making sure it goes well like it's not like a and i think people do mean well but in a lot of mentor sort of relationships what happens is um, people get tired or whatever, or mm-hmm. like they sort of have their own stuff going on. But like, because the people you're de- dealing with at Adobe, they need this project to go well as a proof point to like do it again next year. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're like, oh no, see, like the the needle moved and like all these positive things came out of it, and like they can use each individual creative person that they're supporting as like a success success story to then advocate for more budget for next year and like why they should keep their jobs. Oh, um, or the product teams need examples of ways to use new products. Like, right. We gave a lot of feedback about Lightroom when it was out. Um, Mm -hmm. because Julia and I, Julia Nimke and I were the first photographers, um, that they had picked. And so, Oh, interesting. Were they strictly doing video before? What were they doing before? No. So like design, uh, first year was Becky and Kelly. Becky's a lovely illustrator and Kelly is I don't even know. Kelly makes just the craziest stuff. She makes like paper art and all this really intense stuff. And the year after, uh, Craig, I'm assuming, was using a bunch of different things, but he was doing this project where he was driving across the country and projecting ghost signs on the buildings in like abandoned towns. Because, okay. Um, and I, I don't really know how Craig did it, but he's awesome. Um, Sarah Dietschy was doing video stuff. Sid was an illustrator, and Christine Heron uh, did like typography, illustri- um, graphic design, and illustration. And then our year was um, Rosa, who did typography um, and illustration. Julie and I were photographers. Jessica did, like, After Effects and a bunch of different stuff. She was doing, like, social justice-based mm. things out of Louisville. Chelsea was illustrating, um, and Natalie was doing UI UX. And so, to some degree, it is tied to what products are coming out. Like, Natalie's year XD was in beta, 
and now it's out. So mm -hmm. usually there's like a strong face for a UI UX person or two. Um, so yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. And so then since then, like when that ended, uh, did you have work lined up or were you sort of thrown to like emptiness of like, um, like how was that ride? Just because it is when perhaps it's like, I don't know. I remember when I finished college and then all of a sudden it hit me when one day I had like free time and I was like, Oh, then I guess I need to study. And I was like, Oh, there's nothing. I guess. I'll what did just you study in college? Uh, I went to school originally for photojournalism. There it is. Economy crashed, switched to sociology, and then minored in PR. And then I like, I added PR as a minor because uh, I wanted to take some specific classes. And then during the last semester where it was time for the capstone class, I was like, yeah, I don't actually care if I have a minor. So I like dropped it because I was like, I don't have time to take a tap capstone class. Like I'm working full time and going to school full time. Like. And interning, like I have no time for this, so I dropped the minor, but I am like one class short of having been a PR minor. So, there it is. <laughs> it makes you feel better. I don't think I've ever said this before. Um, this is a great shame of mine. Well, not really. Um, I was a double journalism and economics major, and my very last class, so I was like a big, I did like, I was like a big uh, nerd in high school and did like a lot of drama and I, mm -hmm. um, so I was like, you go into state school and you know those kids that come in, they're like, why is the T-score is this? And I have already have 90 credits or like whatever the hell. Right. Um, and so I didn't say any of that stuff, but deep in my heart, I thought I was cool stuff. Um, and so I didn't want to graduate early because I still stand by this. I think that all that, like that time in college is really important for you to like, like iron out your, just a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and so, and put yourself in different situations. But, um... I had to, like, get another, I couldn't, like, I just didn't have enough credits to, like, so I did journalism economics, and so what I would do is every semester I took one economics class and, like, two journalism classes, because since economics is a liberal arts and sciences college, a lot of the, I can mix a lot of the journalism requirements together. Right. Um, but the way I had it, I really <laughs> shouldn't have left one class for the end, because I picked the hardest one. It was governmental regulation and business. Oh. And I loved, that teacher was cool, but he had no um, central vision. He only had peripheral vision, so like he would lecture, and you'd have to like interrupt him if you had a question, which was really weird. Oh, and um, the class. Did he was, warn you of that, or you mm -hmm, just figured it out? And oh, okay. I had him before. I had a sports econ class with him, and it was okay. really fun over the summer. And he, um, there was that. It was, I was working at my student paper full time, so every night I was there from five to one a.m. Mm -hmm. oh, and God. then. Um, that's and that's exactly why I dropped out of photojournalism because I was like, you can't have any sort of semblance of a schedule. Mm -hmm. So if you're working and something needs to be shot at a specific time, you're like, oh, I can't plan for that because I didn't have this assignment when mm -hmm. I was sorting out my work mm -hmm. schedule two weeks mm -hmm. ago. So yeah, I was like running in and out of class sometimes, and honestly, it was like an eight a.m. class and mm. senior year. I was like, I just it got. I never had senioritis as a high schooler, but man, that senior spring, I was like, man, this none of this matters. Yeah. And so I just wasn't going for a while, and there were only, literally the class was just three exams. So the first test, I got a B, fine. Second test, I got a D, oh, not fine. Andre. So then I was like, ooh, now the pressure's on. And I think I was, oh, Florida was playing in uh, like a tournament, like a basketball tournament, so I went to shoot that. So I had to get, take like a delayed exam, and I just like, I think I, I, think I got like a B, maybe a Maybe I got a B, a C, and a D, or something like that, but it just didn't 
Didn't even out. It didn't even out to like above a 72 or whatever I needed. So I just like, they were just like, all right, you're graduating. You only got this one thing. And I was like, no. And then like, you didn't apply for the minor. So you only have one major. And I was like, yo, I did all this work. Um, and then the, I, what I should cares? have done, what I should have done is that when I was there in the fall for Groove Shark or over the summer for the Gainesville Sun, because I ended up staying in Gainesville from like that May when I graduated until December, I should uh-huh. have just taken retaken the class. But at first I was like embarrassed, and then I just like didn't do it. And then when I first moved here, I was like maybe I'll just come for the summer, and then I was just like no, and then now it's too late. It's not too late. It's it's also it just doesn't really matter. No, 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 no like, it unless doesn't. You want to be a professor. You know what I mean? It just doesn't really... I may cut this part out, but full disclosure, I didn't actually graduate. Like, I had a full-ass party and everything. Uh, I'm still one class short of graduating, and I'll never go back and do it because I... I fully support your flag. (laughs) Well, and I was pissed because then I tried to do it. So, shout out to Cal State Fullerton for not having your shit together. Y'all told me I could graduate. Went to be ready to graduate, and then they were like, oh, no, never mind. And I was like, well, that sounds like your problem. This is not good customer service. If this was a product I was purchasing, which, P.S., I am paying for this bullshit, like, you're not, you know what I mean? I was just like, no, this is not appropriate. And so then a year later, I tried to take it during winter intercession because it's like a gen, it's an upper division general ed class that I'm missing. And so they were like, hey, you just need a 300 level general ed class. And I was like, cool. I signed up for some horrible class. It was like a geology class online, 300 level, took it, passed it, applied for the grad check. And they were like, oh, wrong category. You needed it in this other category. And I was like, yeah, I'm never giving you money again. Like, I'm not, you know, like, unless you're going to refund that class that I took that you said would fulfill my grad requirements. Like, I'm not repaying you $1,000 for something that, like, nobody cares about but your school. So stop emailing me for donations because I'm not at all. All the donations. Yeah, I was like, get out of here. However, I will be hitting you up for PR for this podcast and still pretending I graduated. So there it is. Oh, my God. I will have my cake and eat it, too. Oh, and again, like, man. honestly, people <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not this episode. Oh God! Um, this this is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm honestly the weird part about since I like asked people because basically what happened was I like tweeted like I want to be I want to like share some of the work I'm doing. What should I go? What should I go? And people were like, all right, here are a bunch of podcasts you should get on. And I've done like three in the last like five months or whatever it is. I don't know some like mediocre number. Right. And. Every time I find myself just like, because I, as a former journalism major, I understand the importance of trying to say something you haven't said somewhere else. Yeah. Um, oh, I never even think of it that way. And so, oh man. Oh, like you mean you understand it from like you're trying to say something you haven't said somewhere else. Yeah, that like is valuable oh, for your for time. Oh, for sure. And I just loved it. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just say this thing that's minorly embarrassing. You're like, <laughs> and you're like, you think that's embarrassing? <laughs> well, wow. I was like, Okay. Not that, not that I think, look. Oh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that, I'm not embarrassed by it. You shouldn't be. The only time I'm annoyed by it is sometimes I have seen things where I'm like, oh, I could like, 
you know, teach this class. Like I'm totally qualified to teach that class and do like a semester. And then I'm like, ah, oh, there's that thing where like only academia will know that I didn't actually finish. Like nobody else. I've never had a background check where they were like, oh, we don't think you actually graduated. I just put oh, on yeah. all my resumes. No, I didn't say I graduated. I don't say what okay. class. I just said, I here was my major. Here was my minor. No one's ever asked me, did you also finish? And that's how I feel about putting your college stuff. No, nah, man. I don't. Because there are dumber people that have graduated college than, than me, certainly. Man. That's how I feel about man. it. They're like. <laughs> We shouldn't even go down this road. Maybe they have a better moral compass, but unlikely. I don't think so. Not with daily things. Maybe just on their resume. I don't care. Maybe I'll cut this whole part out. Whenever someone asks me about a resume, I'm like, what do you want? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just When people ask me that, I'll literally just be like, here's like a LinkedIn. I can update this with a client list, but like, why don't we just get in a room? Because like, no sheet of paper I send over to you is really going to be helpful. So what do you send people when you want work? Like, do you pitch people or do they reach out to you? Like, what is your current situation um, in that world? Like, what's your, because every photographer has a different perspective on this. I'm a big believer in business development. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest, there are definitely better photographers than me there are more fine art photographers on like a lot of things but i i'm a firm believer in like a couple like really obvious things that people all people say all the time be good to other people be a resource so i would say that if i were to break down how i make money now um i would say like 10 percent of it is like video work mm -hmm. 10 15 percent is like teaching so um, Adobe has events and I'll like go show people how to do stuff on Lightroom, Oh, cool! which, you know, sometimes you can feel away about because, you know, people always say like those who don't, um, do teach, oh, well, people say a lot, of things. but I don't agree with that because I'm like, also like, I'm not trying to be broke and I'm not like, my goal isn't to not be broke. My goal is to like, you know, I am the product of like a single mom, mm -hmm. um, that moved from another country. So in many ways I have to like whether this is going to happen or not provide like wealth that I think will be able to like ex exist and sustain me over time. Not saying my mom is like broke or anything. She's an awesome right. teacher, but like it's not realistic for me to think that how hard she's worked, she needs to like be giving me money. She but needs you want to build to, like, on sure the foundation that she provided. So um, anything that isn't like soul crushing, definitely against my morals or like utterly disgusting. Uh -huh. um, I'll probably do as long as they have the client has like a good, understanding what they want or there's enough money that I don't even care. Right. Um, and so teaching is actually really nice because what actually ends up happening for me is sometimes I'll get clients from that. People will come and like listen and be like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, I've been learning a lot about this, but I also work at like blank and I right. know we need photos for whatever. So that's it. So that's, you know, 20, 25% is not photo related mm -hmm. uh, or it's photo related, but it's not photography photo proper. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it is like, it's straight up. Biz stuff. So I have an agent, um, Jesse Miller at Tinker Street. Right. But a lot of work comes from just like being alert and aware. So mm -hmm. on the internet, like I always like pay attention to like a couple years ago, this guy, Eric Hercules, I know, um, he said, he's like, I always audit my followers. Mm. And Eric's fascinating because he has a lot of followers. He's like this dude that started like the, all those puddlegrams and like levitate photos uh. that have been on Instagram for years. Eric was like, the early burgeoning person for that. So like a lot of people get their work for what he's doing. And so um, he said this a long time ago and I was like, oh, he's right. Yeah. He was like, I, he's like, sometimes I'll just scroll through my followers. Um, anytime someone new follows me, I'll just pop in and see who they are, what they're like up to yeah. if I see it. And just to be aware and if they're doing something interesting, I'll just say hello. Um, or I might even like ask if they want to chat or whatever it is. 
And the one thing that's nice about living in New York um, is that often, even if people don't live here, where they work either has an office here or they will be here within like a year or two. Right. So it's easy to like meet people in person. Yeah. To show work in a way that's not gross. So you like, um, big believer in like hanging out, asking someone is, listening to them. And then the opportunities you have to talk. Yeah. The opportunities you have to talk, like just showing your work and explaining what you're up to. Um, and so I would say that the primary amount of business just comes from like, uh, like a deliberate word of mouth. So like there are people that, um, if I shoot something and there's a book, like I will give certain people that book at right. no charge to me. It might be eating $60 right now, but then that can translate to however much in the future. Um, I think often on the photojournalism track, there are people that do really well that shoot a lot of magazine features and covers. And like, honestly, for the most part, I get hired for like, like kind of offbeat magazines like Anxie, which is, I love them. Um, or like, someone will license an image of mine for an editorial, but like I actually don't get like a ton of editorial work. I'll mm-hmm. get a lot of like editorial adjacent stuff. So like Uber paid me last year to go to Afrotech and do some storytelling about like um about their brand and like their workers at Afrotech and then I made it into a bigger project about like what it's like means to be black in tech. Um and that really started with when I went to Afrotech, there were a ton of people that I had met previously. Mm. And so being able to shoot and photograph them started with the ability to talk to them four years ago. And so it kind of boils down for me is like I don't know what people can offer me now or later, but like if I can make some time and just like be cool. Um and then obviously if someone like is offering me like a gig, like being aware of how to like talk about my work and ask them smart questions so that they know that you're listening and that you care um but it's like a lot of like seeds and like mm-hmm. late farming um and just being like present um there is some there are some downsides to it like it ends up being like a lot of times it, there are some downsides to it like it ends up being a lot of times that you'll have be having lunch and whatever constantly with people um and that can end up being not negative, but sometimes you start to wonder how you've blurred your personal and professional lines because yeah. then like when you're home in New York, you're like running around um, trying to present work and talk to people um, and like you're trying to figure out how to balance that with, you know, your relationships with people. Definitely. That, That's hard. Um, you know. Well, yeah. And it, I think it it's taxing either way. Like even if it's, it is normal friends, it can be taxing to be doing that. But when you're laying around your friends – like any romantic relationship you're in and family relationships. And then on top of that, like these like friendly potential working relationships, mm-hmm. like especially when you have a partner, like it can be hard to explain that to somebody who's not in that world of like, yeah, I might like, they not may not be paying me right now, but also I'm not being a shallow person. You know what I mean? It's like a weird thing if someone doesn't get it to go like, Oh yeah, I'm not like, you as my like boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, I'm not like ditching you and not mm-hmm. making time for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not being shallow and only hanging out with this person mm-hmm. for work because if they had bad energy, I just wouldn't be there. No, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good on that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not, not that broke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not in danger myself emotionally broke. Right. Exactly. There's. There's that. And then also, like, yes, they are not paying me right now, but like, this is historically what has worked best for me because you know you are at the end of the day like your own product. Like nobody else, your agent can only do so much work for you, and even mm-hmm. then, like agents mm-hmm. are only going to work so hard mm-hmm. for somebody else's career. So mm-hmm. speaking of that, how did you like? At what point in your career did you get an agent? 
Right after the residency. Okay. And did um, they reach out? Did Taylor Street reach out to you, or Jesse, were you already in conversation? I knew because I met Jesse. Fun fact: I met Jesse because of like not because of this or with this. So um, Tyson, Which he's pointing to like a is it a print? It's a giant print of a city if, um, of like LA. A, it's like a yeah the city map of LA. Which um, I love, by the way. And I'm ambivalent to LA. I just think this is cool, and I got it for free. It so, is cool. I wish it was like Brooklyn, but you know we can't all. It makes me happy as an LA native. <laughs> so what happened was, um, Tyson Wheatley is a photographer that's Brooklyn based. I've been following him for a long time, and a lot of Tinker Street people were those original like real like just like influencing the way that they would actually be sharing really awesome work, but also be like sharing parts of themselves. And so, like, Chris Ozer, um, Jessica Zolomon, who I thought you were talking about, she lives in L.A., mm. um, Tyson Wheatley, um, Joshua Allen Harris, um, Paul Octavius, particularly Paul. Um, I had met Paul when I was an intern in Chicago at The Reader, and he collaborated with them to do their Best of Chicago series, so he mm -hmm. made all these, like, tiny things. It was like, he, he, Paul is really playful and does all this great perspective stuff, and he's so creative. And so he made, like, it was like food and drink, so he, like made this like burger out of wood and like all this interesting stuff. And so I met Paul there and I remember walking, I was shooting uh, Pitchfork and I ran into him because I've been following him for a long time and he's like a pretty tall, bald black man. Yeah, he's and like noticeable. No, 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 no. Have you seen, have you met Paul before? I haven't met him, but he's, like, no, like, like I, when you said his name, I could picture him no, just no, no, from 100%. following him on Instagram. So I'm like, I like walk into the pit and I'm shooting Kendrick Lamar and Lady Gaga is like in the back or something. And I like turn and I'm like, oh my God. So I say something to him and we talk for a while and he's like, oh, you're a reader intern. And we like talked for 15, 20 minutes and he followed me, which was huge when I was yeah. at like 700 followers in Chicago in like 2012. Definitely. And that just meant a lot because he really inspired me. And so um, from there I knew what Tinker was. Um, Paul, I remember we had this conversation where he was just like, take every opportunity you can to try stuff and be creative and just like make a lot take a lot of risks mm -hmm. and that meant a lot to me I remember that meant a lot to me I remember I, te I texted him the morning I was graduating about being anxious and he was just like Aww. he was like I always looked at it as an opportunity to, to step out and do new things so I wasn't really that scared of it and I was like nice um and so then I was aware of what it was um Tyson moved here we like I saw he posted I was like hey what's up where do you live and I was living in Park Slope, and he was like, I just moved to here, and he lived one avenue from me. I lived oh at 5th and 7th, he lived at 4th and, and 13th. Uh -huh. I was like, this is easy. So we started hanging out, and I'd like dog sit for him, and like, so I started to meet these other people who I really loved, like Chris. Um, and then later I met Jessica, but I was like starting to be more aware of that orbit of um, people, and I, I appreciated them not just because I thought they were successful, but because... It felt like I was watching people that I originally thought were really good grow and change, which encouraged me to grow and change. So then um, it was during the residency, my friend Neil, who's moved away since, he and I were having a meeting. Um, and I like ran up to his office. He like, worked at an agency, and I just wanted to tell him what I was up to. And when I was walking up there, um, an office, I guess, was like the first of the month. I'd like lot left so they were throwing out a bunch of stuff and there was a print of this and I think a print of like some other city I honestly don't remember what it was and I was staring at them on the street and I was like these are beautiful like but like there's so, it's so big it's like literally the yeah, height huge. of my body it's like a four um, by three yeah well no, three by four foot like print I'm gonna just explain for listeners because they can't see what oh, this yeah, is yeah. right like it's like a three foot by four foot print of uh LA it's like, like the LA city map. No, it's like five feet tall. Like is it really? Yeah. 
Because oh. it's I'm five eleven and I was the one was holding it. Yeah, right. It's you're big. like, no, I know how tall so, it is. Um, so I was like trying to decide. I was like, do I want one? Do I want both? I, was like, I shouldn't get both. And as I was thinking, this dude just walked up, didn't even stop, just picked one of them up and just kept walking. And I was like, what? So then I got scared. And I was like, all right, well, I have to take this one. <laughs> so I took it up the stairs in the elevator. Not up the stairs. I took it in the elevator with and you. Then to left this it, yeah, left it in the meeting. And Neil was like, why do you? All right, whatever. So then I left there, and Tyson had invited me to dinner or something to meet Jesse because there's a bunch of all the Tinker people were hanging out, Lisa Weatherby, et cetera, and she's also great. And so I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to go, but I was going to be late, and I also had this massive thing, but it was too wide to take in a cab. Right. So I walked it from – this was Herald Square. This wasn't, like, close to here, and I lived here at this point. So I took it on the F train all the way to Gowanus, got out, walked into this dinner with it, and the maitre d' or whatever was like, no, you can't bring this in here. So then they put it in some like weird alley, and then I had dinner, and then I walked home with, I walked with all of them with it to Chris Ozer's apartment, put it down, and Chris was like, I mean, you just leave it here, and I was like, no. And then I like carried it away, but it was funny because Jesse was like, yeah, man, it was kind of hard to forget you after you did that. Um, and then- That's incredible. I did. That's also just such a New York thing to do. Yeah, it is, but I really wanted the art, and the art's expensive. So, um, and then I met um, Jay Zombie a little bit after I interviewed her, Jessica Zalman, for Stories From Here, because um, her story's really interesting. Like, she's a single mom. Um, she talked a lot about, like, what impact that had on her, being, like, one of the only Jewish kids living, um, like, in the outskirts of the Bay, and, like, or maybe she's from LA. I'm trying to remember now. Um, but talking about how that impacted her, and, like, this, like, stress on community she has. And when I did that, um, Tinker shared it. And then he was like, oh, you know, I saw it. It kind of kept me on the radar. And then I was seeing all the stuff you're doing. Um, and so he just was like, hey, you know, this is kind of what I was thinking. And you want to do it. And I was, it was like a cool moment for me. It went like, it's like that old, uh, like Jake Cole has this song called Let Nas Down. And he talks about never letting your idols become your rivals. Not that right. I was idolizing them in terms of like this idolatry or like that these but are my rivals now. There. Yeah. But there was like a level of like respect and hope for growth. And so... Um, it was like a really fascinating thing to be asked to be a part of that. It meant a lot to me. And like, not that like every piece of work I get comes from it, but I do get like a reasonable amount of work. And also more importantly, the group of people is really helpful. Like last year I was shooting, last minute I, had a, I was shooting some BTS for this show and the client asked last minute, like I was driving to Philly, they're like, hey, could you like bring a strobe and like shoot something? And it was like, we had to leave at like seven that day and it was like two o'clock mm. and you couldn't rent anything in time. And I called Chris. Um, to ask him an opinion about what I should get. And he's like, just come down here and just take mine. Take one of mine. I drove down to his studio um, in Industry City. He gave it to me and I went. Um, when I was going last year to Kansas City to photograph Karamo from, for Career Eye, I asked some people and Kyla from Our Wild Abandon just was like, hey, here are some people that are in Kansas City that can give you a studio to use. Um, Tyson countlessly, like, there, like earlier this year, I went on a trip with him and Sam. Sam's also awesome. Sorry, Sam, I didn't say your name earlier. Um, and I did like a road trip with them for an album car rental job that Tyson did. And that was like me really starting to try to do video stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have like a tremendous amount of respect for it's It's more like I look for more opportunities. I think I, I have to be careful of the fact that since I didn't like recognizing myself that like not having a dad there's times that I like will look to people for things and that's not like super healthy mm -hmm. um but there is like a nice realization in that that you can't expect everything from everyone 
So um, there have been times, whether it was Walker, or the residency, or Tinker, or just like general life things, where I'm really thankful for being in the area and the group that I am with people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And um, when you, so because you went to school for journalism and not specifically photography, did you, did like the education in like how to use a strobe and like lighting stuff and studio equipment come later? Or like how did you gain that experience Man. in education? We took one lighting class because I was a journalism major, but like I said, I had a million credits. So I took like, I took two capsules. I took advanced design and, oh no, I took three. Man, I was a crazy person. Oh I my took gosh. applied journalism my junior year. Then senior year in the fall, I took advanced design. And in the spring, I took photo two, okay. advanced photo two. And um, yeah, it was good. I So I, um, because the way the structure was set up, like if you took the intro class for like applied journalism, you just needed to have like a certain number of journalism credits. And advanced design, you just needed to take design one. Yeah. So I took that. Um, and I just was like, well, I want to like learn and figure out all this stuff. And like, shout out to InDesign, love that app dearly. Um, but I, we took one class after photo one. You're supposed to take like a, I forget what it's called. Maybe it's called applied lighting or something. We're supposed to learn about how lighting works. But like, to be honest, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, it might have been just that we were just sticking around too much. Me and this guy, Alex Catalano. We like played with stuff, but like, I didn't really like understand how to make the light softer. I just knew that like, if I turned it on and it couldn't have over like over like 200 um, of a second to shoot, it would work. And so the lighting didn't really come, it started to come piecemeal. So um, when I interned at the Gainesville Sun, um, I told the photo editor that I needed practice. So he had me do most of the studio portraits that whole summer and they had like mm. all the studio stuff set up on like this like really cool system. So that was helpful. I like made a mistake when we were doing like the high school athletes for the year. And um, that was when I knew how to learn how to use a hair light because obviously if you're shooting black people, particularly people with dark colored hair, putting them in a dark background with no hair light, you get, it just falls off. So I remember yeah. I brought the photos from the first, half of the first day in, or maybe just one session. And Rob was like, what are these? And I was like, he's like, this is all fine, but like, where, where is the top of his head? And I was like, oh my God. Um, and then <laughs> I learned that lesson. And then um, when I moved here, I assisted Cody Tarr and David White. These were two photographers, and Cody um, and David are both really helpful in just seeing how they used light. But I think after all that, I would just ask David questions, and then I would just try stuff. When I was at Walker, I did a couple different like lighting-based things. And then at one point, you're just like, okay, let's just stab at it. So now yeah. I feel generally better about it, because it's like, I'm just going to keep trying stuff until I get what I want. Um, and a lot of times, things coming out of camera... Um, don't look exactly how I want them to, and that's okay um, because mm -hmm. you work on them afterwards. So sometimes it's shooting to set yourself up for how you like to edit and color. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then when it comes to learning how to talk about your work, mm. like what was that journey like for you? That never bothered me. The work, talking about work never really bothered me because I think once, like when I was at Walker, I had to do one-on-ones with Mari every week. Um, and then we do like our like all hands meetings like once a week mm -hmm. or a month or whatever we'd like have to get up and talk about what we've been working on. Um, and I was a tour guide in college and I did drama in high school. So like I the one thing I will say is I don't really like get anxiety about talking to people about stuff. Like I just like Oh, I mean I guess like the language, like for your the, personal work. But language, I think, since my work involves other people a lot, um talking about talking about the the work is how easy because I have a lot of like anecdotes about process and mm. then 
I will say that residency really helped me in like we would watch like the Adobe Evangelists, like they would do like how-to videos and like watching them talk about stuff and like um, be helpful was like really, really like, like watching them be helpful showed me how to be helpful because now I'm at Photoville and I'll try to answer people's questions and it's like a reminder that like obviously I'm not going to answer everything, but right. I need to make sure I talk from the lowest common denominator, um, talk slowly, give examples, right. review, go back. Give yourself an opportunity, give people an opportunity to see what you're working on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that it got, it was never difficult for me, but it like just over time got easier. Um, even like two weeks ago, I did a show in, uh, in DC, I almost said LA, that's not true, um, for this recent project I did called The Last Expanse with the North Face. And at that show, I got up and like talked about the work a little bit, but it was a show that was celebrating the Gwich'in people. Um, this Native American, these Native American people that like um, we did the project about, which is a really beautiful project. It was cool. Way. It was super rad. And so, to be honest, all of my fear from when I started the project wasn't really even that I was going to be bad at it. It was like about if I was going to like mess up something before I could shoot. So, like mm. before we got there, they gave us cultural training that just warned us that um, in Gwich'in culture, it's very rude to interrupt people and people speak very slowly and take long pauses. So you just have to sit and wait. Um, and I was so worried as I'm going to insult somebody and they're not going to like me taking their photo or they're not going to like me taking their photo or whatever. That was fine. Then we went to the refuge and I was nervous that the other people I went on a trip with, like maybe they wouldn't like me or I wouldn't like them or whatever. Oh, Andre. And then, no, but, and then when we went to do the show, I was nervous that we weren't going to sell enough stuff because we were donating all the money to them and I didn't want them to feel like, because North Face flew some, or some of the Gwich'in people flew to help um, lobby for the bill and then North Face had us come down. And so I was like, man, I got to make sure that we make enough money that they, like, don't feel like I just came and, like, exploited their culture and they didn't, like, right. they couldn't, like, get a donation out of it. And then we made, like, a good amount of money that day for them. Um, and it was really, really cool. So the my concern was never, like... In fact, I think I... I in moments like this, especially since my work has a lot to do with others, I will deflect a lot quickly to just make sure I, like, talk about them. Yeah. But it can be weird. Like, we're at that show and people are like, tell me more about the project. And it's difficult, too, because there's, like... It's like you're, it's like you're getting married. Like, and you and I are getting married, we're sitting there at the main table, and everyone's trying to talk to us, and you're, like, trying to have a meaningful conversation at all, and it's really, really hard. Yeah. And so, that is how I would describe it, is, like, trying to just slow myself down and have, like, intelligent conversations, but I will say, in a non-presentation fashion, I almost get annoyed sometimes. A, with, I get this question a lot, what are you doing next? I'm like, yo, I just, didn't I just give y'all something, like, six weeks ago? Right. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. Um, and then second, um, sometimes I feel like I get questions that like want to reveal like more really, not that I have a problem revealing naturally personal things, but sometimes giving that like on projects, but I think always like, I feel like sometimes when I'm talking to people, they're wanting to like understand my full psyche of it. And that's just not going to happen in a like, yeah, that's like in, in that environment. That's also too complex of a situation where it's like, you can't. And I mean, I think this happens a lot to anyone that has like a creative output is mm -hmm. that people want you to like be sort of this like caricature of an artist that mm -hmm. they expect, um, which like some people are and they fulfill that and other people aren't. And I think that like wanting somebody to be this like unique, like mystical sort of person who's like really, um, I don't know, like I, I just think that there is sort of this visual that people have of an artist and like mm. 
that they need to be like very unique and weird and specific and then also like sort of like broken and tragic um which it's like they're searching for that and you're like okay well sorry i'm not this like thing that you made up in your head all tragicness is caused by my bad decision making i'm just gonna go ahead and keep it 100 with you um you would think for you know all of the crappy things like you know, you're being an immigrant, like, America hates black people, etc., that it would be, like, <laughs> like, I am, uh, my mother set really good habits in me, and my grandmother prays every day, and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. helps me a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I just, that's something I struggle with, is, like, I, I, I don't know when and how to share properly in person because it can feel either braggy or like I'm being too brief with somebody. Right. Um, it's like when you see somebody, like one of the hardest things about doing stories from here was when you're like, all right, cool. We hung out for three hours. Thanks for bearing your soul. I'm out. Right. And I'll show you some photos in like two months. And they're like, what? Yeah. Um, and so there's like a, a weird relationship there between like what is my um, – role as a storyteller and then how does that separate from the person like the Gambino line like what's the line between Donnie G and Gambino right yeah Yeah. and it it, well and to your point earlier though like when you're talking about um you don't know what to say like the right the right thing that right thing and I'm putting that in air quotes for listeners is like that's a moving target because everybody Mm. has a different expectation so there really isn't a right thing out of like side of you saying what's like true to you And some people are going to choose to project what they want. Other people will receive what you give them. Mm. And the right thing is like, I I had this conversation with my brother once about our parents. And I was like, look, it is not their job to be what either one of us decide like we want from a parent because we want very different things. Like we're incredibly different people and it's not their job to live up to that. Like they are their own people showing up to parent us to the best of their ability And say, for example, I wanted like an outgoing mom or like a mom that's a certain way, but you want a mom that's the opposite. What's she supposed to do? Like switch every time she's engaging with either of us? Like, no, she's just, she's herself. You know, like you can't expect someone to be something that they're not. And that also like, it's not an ethical issue. You're like upset about somebody's like character and their character is fine. But like you're you're annoyed that like you feel that someone should like be this type of person that they're not um when you're a creative and when you're sort of like in the public eye whatever scale that means it can feel like people expect a lot from you Mm. you, because people are selfish and they do want a lot and they want a piece of that shininess um and that can be really great and people sharing your work and that can also come by the way of sort of like a a leech like (laughs) situation um so what is your current process for like new client work? Like you, you'd mentioned earlier that being at Walker taught you about like, setting expectations and working through them. Mm-hmm. Do you currently request a brief? Is it like more, I don't know. Oh yeah. Before I give people, people will like, they'll be like, Hey, uh, are you free on Wednesday? I might have a project for you. Can you give me a quote? What? Yeah. Right. Yo, my man, I don't go buy a used car. I don't just like walk on a car lot and be like, yo, here's $6,000. What am I getting? Right. Or sorry, that wouldn't make sense because unless it was a used car. But, um, no, so before, um, and, you know, whenever people ask me, like, I think having a fixed pricing model personally doesn't work for me. I mean, yeah. for other people, maybe it'll work, but, um, every client is different. And so in economics, so one time it works, there's a thing called price discrimination. 
Um, and it's trying to better understand your customer so that yeah. you can essentially make more money off of that. <laughs> it's literally what it is. So it's like, it's like how um, Netflix can have like different tiers. So it can have like standard for $7 or HD for 11 or HD family for 20 and it, you don't know. And so it's like understanding who's going to use what. So like in all likelihood, a person that needs HD family um, might like care about high definition and has enough people in their family or makes enough money for this to make sense. So they're giving that option and that someone's going to go ahead and do it. It's like the why, the reason why subscription models make sense, like in terms of like price, like pricing, um, it, they put different options out there to entice users, get them into the funnel. And then as they grow with the brand, like probably spend more money. It's why like cell phone plans made so still make so much sense. They're just like, okay, well we know. Like, there's a bunch of different cell phone companies that have clearly documented um, cases of quality, but people are like, all right, well, I'm not going to try to spend more than $150 on my cell phone bill, so I'm going to get X. Yeah. But I know that Y might have better service, but I'm not going to spend that much money there. And so I think a lot of clients are similar to that. And so for me, the first question is like, the things that I want to know from them are, what do you need? Yeah. What inspired you to work on this? So um, I would like a mood board from you if I haven't worked with you before. Um, how did you find my work and like what interested you in it? Because between the mood board and that, I'll get a good idea of what their aesthetic is. What are the images or videos going to be used for? Um, I think this is something that like I try to tell people like um, I one of my big goals this year is to shoot more local stuff. So like I'll work with some restaurants and stuff. And restaurants have no money. Yeah. If someone at a restaurant's like, I can pay you $300, like, that's, like, a lot of money to a restaurant. Yeah. Versus, like, if I'm going to shoot something for something with a high margin, then um, what I work on is more valuable to them because they're using it to, like, sell online things. A restaurant's just trying to, like, survive and have people know their food is delicious and looks good. So if someone's like, hey, can you shoot for two hours for $300 at this restaurant and we're going to use it on our website, like... That, it, that usage is, I mean, how many people are looking at that website? You know what I mean? Right. So, and for me, working on community stuff is really important. So that's different. But if it's a client that I don't know, and more importantly, um, something that has a much bigger base, um, I'm going to charge them accordingly. So like I brought up Eric Hercules before. Eric has a rule where he will try to figure out what the marketing budget is, and he wants his um, his price to be no less than 1% of their like budget for the year. Mm. Um, but it just really depends. Like if it's like a big campaign, a small campaign, if it's online only, if it's social only, if it's billboard, like everything is different. Um, but asking that question, those questions ahead of time will help you understand exactly how much work you're going to do. So if someone says like, I want to pay you for a half day, you're like, okay, hold on. Like, okay. So if you pay me for a half day to shoot Comic-Con, like, are you expecting the images immediately? Are right. you, um, are you wanting me to be posting while I'm doing it? Are you wanting me to, um, what's the word? Are you wanting me to, like, be getting the names of everybody I take photos of and then, like, tag it in? Like, all these things matter because they, like, impact how well you can do your work. Right, like, and the amount. So if you're asking for, mm -hmm. you know, a ton of photos... Mm -hmm. But also, I'm the same person that has to get those releases mm -hmm. signed and get the Instagram handle and then make sure mm -hmm. that that handle is, like, matched up to the person because mm -hmm. otherwise you have a bunch of paperwork mm -hmm. and, like, mm -hmm. just these files and yep. you're doing this whole backwards thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think the thing I've learned, especially, like, with Tinker, is how much are you going to pay me to produce the thing I'm shooting? 
Right. Like, and then they, these are two different things. Production is like me finding, like, um, there's a video project I want to work on soon where I had to find my sound person. I had to find a second camera. I had to, like, scout stuff, right? And so when I first moved here, I remember, like, I'd assist on David's sets. I'm like, why are there, like, six assistants? Like, this is ridiculous. And then now I'm like, oh, no, this actually makes sense because it's about getting myself to the point where I can work on the thing I need to work on and not spend all the time working on this entire the logistics. You're not hiring me to be a creative producer and a photographer. You're hiring me to be a photographer and you're not wanting to pay for the other thing. So what you can do then is if you wanted to hire me because you're working with a sweet jacket company because you're wearing a sweet jacket and you say, hey, we only have like, and I don't know, we have $4,000 and we need some images to use for our lookbook and we also want to run it for like a billboard thing. I would say, okay, a billboard is, that's, kind of low so i would ask about like can we make the usage less so like can it only be like two months can there be no non-compete clause so i could go ahead and work with other four other jack companies later if i want i could say um i want you to hire me for your next campaign which isn't necessarily necessarily something somebody can do but also from there you might just be able to be like okay well if you do that i need you to hire a producer to like handle all of the work so right i'm not out here doing all this extra stuff and I can just focus on what I want to focus yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. Um, or this shoot can only last this much time or you only get this number of images. It's just, it's all about like understanding the, asking for the usage lets you understand what your work is worth to them and then you can price it accordingly. Talking about production allows you to understand how much time you need to invest before you can even start doing the thing you were hired to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and then how much of the ability to use that, like, in your portfolio impacts your choice? Like, is that important to you where you're like, oh, can I talk about this work or is this NDA work? Oh. I don't really come into a problem with that a lot. Honestly, I got to be careful. I'm like the, I will just completely disregard NDA, so I got to be careful. Really? Not like, not really, but like, I'll kind of forget and be like, oh man, um, I don't know if I can post that or not. Mm -hmm. Um. But I also just post, I just post less things now. Yeah. So I will just ask and double check. Um. But if I'm doing something cool, I want to share about it. Totally. Um, but there's a ton of things I've done. Like, you know, sometimes you'll be like, oh, I completely forgot about this. Oh, totally. Yeah. I regularly, I I was, there's been a few times that I've been like, oh, I feel Ooh. like I did something cool for a cool client, but I don't know who it was. And then stuff will pop into my head. Like, I've had such a busy summer that I sort of forgot about the Comic-Con Tumblr thing, which, like, shout out to Amanda and B. They were great. Um, but, like, I just completely spaced on it where I was like no because somebody asked me the other day like you know because I just had a wild summer where they were like oh are you shooting at all mm. and I stopped shooting music stuff like a year or so or maybe two years ago I sort of intentionally was like oh I'm not doing that anymore um unless it's something I'm really passionate about but um but I like had to pause and I was like I literally thought through like my bank statement and I was like, where were payments coming from? Because somebody was paying me for visual content. Oh yeah. I, that's why I started using um, QuickBooks to like, cause someone last year was like, did we pay for this? And I was like, Oh yeah. And I forget that stuff. So fast. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, my inclination is to be like, no, I was in a, me again. I was in a commercial a few weeks ago and, like, I just forgot that, like, they're supposed to send me money. And then I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Did, did that ever happen? Because I didn't spend a day, like, on, you know, chasing this, like, whatever. What are those, like, trucks called? Like, we ended up, we were just shooting, like, in several different locations in Portland. In Portland. And so it was like, oh, I didn't, like, get up early in the morning for hair and makeup to then run around Portland for three hours to not get paid. 
Like that's also, just realizing your time is valuable because it's valuable because you could just be doing other stuff. I could another be doing other economics stuff. thing. I could be doing this podcast with somebody. Another economics thing. Opportunity yes. cost. That is straight what, up. So, did you know my dad's an economics professor? No, he is. Tell your father I said he'll be listening. Graduate me. Sir. Graduate. Oh, he might send yeah. a letter to the University of Florida that says he's still so mad at me for not. He's like, you really got to work that. I'm like, for what? Like, nobody cares. Nobody's listening to my podcast and going like, well, she didn't finish college. I don't know. Um, okay, I'm reading through some of my questions here. Oh, style-wise. So presumably a lot of times you're getting hired for your unique style. Um, I know a lot of photographers, which is fascinating to me. I've spoken to a lot of different photographers or content creators or whatever who struggle with this thing of like chasing and like whatever the aesthetic is on the internet right now and then their own perspective and like what they want, like what is your sort of like in your style, like do you match client styles or do you stick to your own style and go like, hey, no, like are you hired, like do you have that conversation? Like, are you hiring me for my aesthetic or am I supposed to fold into like your brand lookbook? Yeah, that's where the, that's where the, the mood board really fits. Yeah. I um, don't have a problem changing like lighting and stuff, but I, and trying different things, but I'm like a, big believer in I need everything to feel like it was actually happening uh, like in what way like what um, would you not do like give me an example of like the type of thing that you're like oh that's not really for me well I shot this thing for cores earlier this year like a billboard thing for cores and um it was lit like I mean if you looked at it off the jump you may not think it was my photo but I had no problem with it because it still felt like something that in the canon of life could happen. And right, like real like, life humans doing um, things. No, I think that um, my style can like change a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Instagram me, <laughs> someone described it, my friend Brooke DiDonato, who's awesome and you should follow her work. She was like, it's all very quiet and intimate. Like I feel like these moments, these in-between moments keep popping up. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks Brooke. That's um, awesome. And she didn't mean anything bad by it. Um, right, right. She was trying to be positive and um, I... My friend Stewie says it's like he's like it's like it's like he's like you're Superman if you actually did his job as a journalist and I was like Thank oh you. that's so sweet well he I meant it that. more like you're so joyful you're like a child and I'm like okay um but in a good way he's, right, right, right. he's a, a he's a joking person who will nag you a joking person um, I love a good joking person <laughs> joking man <laughs> it is it is I you your greatest like you nemesis like, Batman like he's a brunette like he's a joking person you know that type. They're from the land of jokers. <laughs> it is I, Batman, your greatest foe, the jerking person. Um, so, um, I will try to show diversity in my work to show that I can shoot things that are bright, dark, serious, kind of playful, um, and try to, like, sit, not directly in the middle, but, like, do things that let people know that, like, I can do your arty stuff. Mm. And also, like, hire me for this campaign because I'm trying to make this money so I can, like, yeah, uh, not have have more than extended, like, generational, like, lower middle classness. Let's get out of that. <laughs> um, not because, like, money is everything no, or anything but... is bad, but there are times when things are helpful for you to be able to pay for so that um, people have the opportunities to just... Do experiences in life. Options just never word. killed anybody. No, no, no. And and to your point about like your you know your mom moving to this country and then working mm -hmm. so hard, I, you know parents obviously do those things um, to build a better foundation for yep, their kids yep. and would hope that you would build on that foundation rather mm -hmm. than go like oh, I'm gonna start from scratch. We'll just make this 
hard on myself and like say, you know, I know that you wanted all these things for me. Like, that's nice to want things. I would like to like rework it all. Um, so presumably you're also like in the world of a lot of like net 30 and net 90 day payments. Mm -hmm. Um, you're not a full-time employee. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. And then people what? are like, pay you on time. Right. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? We're, we'll reach Why? out to, we'll reach out to finance is like my favorite line. And I'm like, mm, you didn't submit the invoice. <laughs> Like, They're like, pay you on time? Yeah, what do you need your money in 90 days for? Yeah, right. Dude, why would you not? <laughs> Sometimes when they just act like we should all have, like, hella extra money, I'm like, yeah, because you're a salaried person. Guess what? Like, real businesses, like, I appreciate so much. I had um, I had somebody on, and her agency is called Rebellious PR, and we were, I was talking about, like, okay, like, cash flow as an agency is difficult. What do you do? And one of her mentors taught her, like, it's okay to have a line of credit. Like sometimes you need that because the more important thing is to make payroll. So like if you need to make some investments and pay for some things on credit, which I know that I do as like a somebody who's also in the land of contract work, like I live off credit for a while because like God forbid I have all these overdraft fees just because I'm trying to not have any debt, you know? And you wait a second and you're like, I made $5,000 yesterday. Right? And, and then you're like, this was from like seven months ago. Right. You're like, oh, good. I can pay rent for two months. And it's tougher <laughs> for me now because in some of the recent projects I did, I like am paying other people. Uh, so they're like, yeah. I just like Raphael email texted me last night like, hey, did you get this thing yet? I'm like, no, man. I would have paid you if I got it. Right. Like that's first on the list. Trust me. So uh, what do you do for health insurance? I have Oscar. Okay. Um, Which I've heard so much about. I think I might drop mine and sign up. Um, It's good and bad. It's yeah. good. I mean, they have like a New York... Um, like a health center in downtown Brooklyn, which is uh -huh. great. That is um, great. The app is nice. I generally like, I like that there's technology-based things for stuff I don't like to have to do, like put in my information and like Agreed. call to make an appointment. I never want to call to make an appointment. Yeah. Ever. Totally. Um, but then I think that sometimes they do some of the human stuff pretty well. They also email you every month and let you know they're taking money out of your account, which I kind of appreciate, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where like, I don't know, man. Every time, like, I remember when I was looking at these plans, I was like, okay, so this basic plan is $160, the next one's up is $480. Right. And I was like, man, like, but I think a couple things happened. Um, obviously, I had health insurance at um, Walker and Adobe, and then, like, I didn't get it, until, I didn't get Oscar until the start of this last year, because the residency ended, and so, in, like, April... Or May, and then they were like, "Well, you can like extend your coverage to the end of the year with this thing called Cobra, but it was like expensive and not that great." So I was like, "I'm just gonna not have it for like the rest of the year." Yeah. Um, but um, a couple things happened. Uh, Richard dislocated his shoulder skiing pretty bad, so he like couldn't do any. My roommate, um, my friend Chris broke his collarbone biking. Um, a bunch of people got hurt in a really short period of time. My friend, and you panicked. My friend's like paralyzed now. Oh it's wow. Terrifying. Um, but this was the end of last year and I was like, man, get, let's get this insurance. Yeah, so at totally. the end of last year, I was like doing some like audit. I was like going down, they had like an insurance person to talk to, talk to him, like a New York provided, like a city provided person, like explain to you different options. Um, and then I called around and like, once again, I talked to a tinker person and he was like, oh, and I'll use Oscar for me and my kids. And, um, I kind of worked from there. I mean, that's. I'm not like endorsing them. They, you know, yeah. they don't pay me any money. But well, I figure they're not one of like those monster com companies that have been around for forever. Like just that are also not helpful. Like 
what's not helpful is from these like old insurance giants are these stupid printouts of doctors where like none of this shit is right and you're like calling these numbers for and having to put into google maps these like addresses that you're like oh good thanks for sending over this like scanned pdf of the list of doctors in my area no information on if they're any good right like i like you have no tools to do this and then i call and like none of them have appointments for three months mm -hmm. like great really glad i need I mean, a therapist you, like, or like whatever you know the funny part is like they're like what do you need to go to the doctor for I'm like what am i paying you for bro Right. Yeah, you're pressing me on money like what's going on yeah and i and that's the other like right now i'm sort of now that i know about uh what is it called again not uh the one that we, oscar now that i know about oscar because i have cobra from my former employer which cobra. is awesome and it is decent coverage that i have which is nice but i'm like oh i could literally save 200 dollars a month and have oscar and also like i mean what do you need 200 dollars for though what do i need to not have 200 dollars for exactly like i could be putting 200 dollars in like the my fund of I can't wait till the economy crashes and then I'm buying a bunch of stock. You know, mm. it could be in that fund. So because I'm really like, I just need to know that if I get in a car accident, because when I don't have insurance, what I do is I just don't go snowboarding, right? Like I don't go snowboarding. I like I don't go snowboarding in the first place. I don't like dangerous. go biking as much on streets and stuff because I, sorry, dad, I don't wear a helmet. And, um, and things like that. Whereas like when I do have insurance, I'm like, ah, let's do it. <laughs> we can do anything. Ain't nothing can stop I me now. I don't care. I've grown far too um, powerful for Right, that. because also I'm like, oh, I still, like, I need to, the dentist once a year. That's $200 out of pocket. What mm. do I care? You know what I mean? It's like, eh. So, anyways, I was just curious about that. And then do you have, for your finance, like, do you have an accountant? Do you have, like, a... I do have an accountant, and I use QuickBooks. Cool. I did not know that everyone had an accountant until I was getting, so this is how I was getting health insurance. Uh-huh. And I, like, asked one of my friends, who I did not think had an accountant. Like, she's great. Right. Like, she's really talented, but, like... I was just kind of like... Accountants merely like for fancy people. I was just <laughs> making invoices on PayPal, and that's how I just kept them together. I wouldn't send them on PayPal, because PayPal had like an invoicing system, and I would just export them, email them, and then just know when I had the money then. I like checked that it was completed. Yeah. But then I remember, I forget, she was just like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you not have an accountant? Who's doing your taxes? And I was like, well, my mom is this like other Jamaican lady that does it, like it's her side job. And she was just like, that's really stupid. <laughs> and I was like, all right. You're like, poor Patricia. Um, I don't know. Why, her name actually could. No, her name's Christine. Well, poor Christine. Um, and so I just tweeted about it. And I, like, Instagram storied about it. And people sent some people. I talked to a couple of people in person. Uh-huh. Um, and this guy, Andrew, is really great. He had, like, a tiered system, once again, with the price discrimination. And he was just like, all right, I think this works for you. We talked on the phone a little bit. He, like... I was like, all right, like, so at the end of last year, I was like, I'm going to get insurance. And then that insurance turned into getting an accountant, filing an LLC, and having oh, QuickBooks to organize my money. And how has it changed your life? Honestly, I'm going to be honest, but I both like, oh, and like at the start of this year, I bought a Mac Mini mm -hmm. that um, I use to, as a backup. So whenever I finish a shoot, I'll plug my, I'll like put the card reader in, I'll back the things up on the Lightroom CC, back it up on a hard drive or two. Those hard drives get back to my back blaze. I'll put the um, I'll put the low res stuff on Google Photos just so I can like help find it later, and then also on Amazon Photos because I'm really nervous I'm gonna lose everything. And Same. I fully recognize I that Amazon fear. and Google are terrifying and terrible, and I'm sure they can like steal these things and like yeah. put them on dogs' faces. I'm sure. But um, a couple years ago, I had a one drive crash, and I would just want never want that to happen again. Oh, you're stressing me out just and now. And so <laughs> um, in the I like from like. October last year until now, we just, 
underwent a big change where like I generally know where my money is now. Generally, I'm not like so. I like I try to check it every 15 days or so. I'll just like double check stuff. Actually, probably like behind. I don't think I've done it in a month. Then um, I like generally know that all my photos are backed up. I have like a slightly new system where there's like month, year, day, underscore client, underscore oh, job. Nice. Like trying. You know, yeah. we're trying to figure it out here. Have you ever, do you ever unravel, think about retroactively, like, fixing old stuff? Absolutely not. I thought about it, started to do it, and I was like, this is going to take forever. Forever, yeah. I Every now and then, I'll dive into a folder and then go like, oh, I should just with this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a monster you don't You're like, I don't even want face. to. I'm tired. I have other, like, I have stories from here I never finished. I have, like, there's other, right. like, in a perfect world, I guess, there would be, um, I could, like, finish those stories from here. I could retroactively back all that stuff up. I could, like, learn more about the stock market, I guess. Um, I don't know. And so I'm good. <laughs> I'm, like, tired. And the stories from here I am going to do, but the rest of it, I don't know. Yeah, fair. Um, okay. Uh, the last question that I ask everybody is what is something that you would want to hear, like, a future behind-the-scenes, um, like, podcast episode about? I'm curious about photographers and musicians that work in the music industry world, um, particularly like going on tour, how they like figure out how to not be broke and not get taken advantage of. I'm curious about like people that transition from photo to video um, to be like directors of photography. I'm also curious about like um, understanding how to like, so I think there's like a interesting dynamic that happens, especially in like film related things where there's like obviously a director that runs everything, but everyone is like siloed into these worlds. Mm-hmm. And, like, how you both, like, take great agency in your job and also, like, fully understand chain of, chain of command. Those two things are really fascinating to me. And, like, um, like how those things, like, translate over time mm-hmm. is really, really interesting for me. Definitely. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I like it. Um, well, lovely. Thanks for being on, Andre. And where can people find you on social? Um, they can find me at Lene Cook. Um <laughs> Speaking of that, when you tagged me this morning, I was like, ooh. At first, I was like, whose cat is it? Oh, I know who this is. This is the person I was just texting. Um, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, no, they can find me at Andre, so A-U-N-D-R-E, just my first name. On Twitter, it's my first and last name, A-U-N-D-R-E-L-A-R-R-O-W, because there's a kind man that is a little older than me and just tweets about the Cowboys, and he has that right. But hopefully someday he <laughs> will wise up and accept my offer of a firm $15 to take the at Andre. Oh, that's beautiful. A firm $15. And so, it's good. That U is helpful. The A-U-N-D-R-E is helpful because people can find me easier. Definitely. I agree. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming to my house. Hey, thanks so much for listening to another episode of BTS Podcast. Quick shout out to Javel. Thank you so much for connecting Andre and I. This would have not been possible without you. I really appreciate it. If you're still listening, um, please do follow Javel. He is great. He's based out of Alaska. He is at Javel on Instagram, Joe A V. Wow, what am I saying? J O V E L L. And the same on Twitter. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review. It would be greatly appreciated. There is also a Facebook group for BTS podcast guests and listeners where you can submit questions, submit episode ideas, and get a sneak preview of upcoming content. Anyone who follows on Instagram or Twitter also gets the chance to submit questions for upcoming guests. Music on this podcast is by Benjamin Batherum. Thanks again for listening.